I'm not going to rule out any of the options on the table as long as we're doing stupid things. Speaker Johnson is doing all the same stupid crap that we opposed. And, and now he's, you know, honoring these side deals that we shouldn't have honored, that we were pushing Kevin on. We were trying to kind of tighten. And uh, I think that's a mistake. So do you regret signing that deal with Schumer for uh, the fiscal appropriations for 2024? Any regrets about it? Well, no, I regret that we have the, one of the smallest majorities in the history of the United States Congress. We have to govern, and that's what we're doing. What we achieved out of this, Martha, is the first cut in non-VA, non-defense spending in over 10 years. I mean, this is, it's not a Hail Mary pass that I'd like to, to throw to uh, win the game. This is, uh, as we used to say in football, this is yard by yard, inch by inch, three yards in a cloud of dust. We have to play and advance the ball incrementally up the field, and that's what this is. I wish it was a Hail Mary uh, play time, but, it, but it's not. And so we're going to move this forward. We, again, we are in position now to fight for our priorities and the riders on these expense bills, and we're going to do well by the American people. And there's a lot of important issues uh, on the plate right now. We've got to keep the Republican majority together, and I'm confident we're going to be able to do that because the stakes are very high for the country, and everybody knows that. Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, that was the voice of Martha McCallum from Fox, Speaker Mike Johnson, and, of course, it started with Congressman Chip Roy from Texas. Well, you probably have heard, even if you might not understand all the details, uh, that there's a fight going on in Washington. We have a new speaker. Most of us want him to be successful. We want him to be right about this. And yet, people that I trust are very concerned right now. And so I've asked one of those people that I trust to, to join us today. His name is Congressman Scott Perry. He is the former president of the Freedom Caucus, uh, Bob Good was just elected uh, just uh, a couple of months ago to take that position. But uh, Scott Perry is from uh, Pennsylvania, and I really enjoy talking to him. He's just a straight shooter. And so what is happening here? We are $34 trillion in debt right now, $34 trillion. We have the border out of control, overrun. Uh, inflation, no matter what the Biden administration says, is still very high. Gas prices are coming down a little bit because it's an election year. Uh, Joe Biden has already depleted. He's depleting our resources on oil and gas uh, while he's bringing gas prices down. So it's a big game. It's a very dangerous game. Are the people in Congress serious enough to do what they have to do? Well, we're going to talk about that today. But before we do, I want to remind you, you can call us at 662-821-2040. 662-821-2040. You can write me at sandy at afr.net, or you can go to any social media outlet. You can find us on any podcast platform. AFR.net is uh, our home base. That's American Family Radio, where I was for over 10 years doing the morning show, and we are still there. We're very much partnering together on this podcast. And uh, then you can also go to sandyrios.com and find out more information. Uh, we have a sponsor that's Preborn, Preborn is doing such a wonderful job of saving the lives of babies. Uh, and they do that by showing the mom ultrasound, uh, 40 ultrasound. And when the parents, the moms, see the baby's features, their hands, the movement, I'm, I'm telling you, it is a remarkable moment. I saw my baby in this way, but not, not the ultrasound technology was not quite as good. Most moms, over 50%, some say higher than that. Some say as high as 70 decide to keep their babies or at least adopt them out, but not to go through with an abortion. It is in a miraculous, incredible way to save lives. And many of you have been joining to help make that happen. Uh, preborn, because of your help this year, has saved over 58,000 babies' lives. 
Uh, that's not a small thing. That's real savings. That's not just talk, writing, demonstrating. That's real saving of lives. If you would like to help Preborn continue to do this, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Well, now I'll sit back and uh, maybe take a pencil uh, because this is what's happening right now in the Capitol and we'll give you some perspective. We just can't trust our news sources right now. Who do we know? Who's, who's right about this and who's wrong? Uh, I can't honestly, I know what my druthers are, what I lean toward. You're going to hear Scott uh, Perry talk about that. But I want Speaker Johnson to be good. And so part of me, you know, doesn't want to believe uh, that he's on the wrong track right now. But is he? Well, we'll talk about it. Stay tuned. This is uh, today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. So the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, very busy man today. And one of the things he's been working on is calling on President Biden to take action on what Johnson calls the catastrophe at our southern border. The Speaker spoke with President Biden by phone today, also sent him a detailed letter urging him to use the power that he has as president to stop the record-breaking surge of migrants crossing our border. And Speaker Mike Johnson joins us now live from Capitol Hill. Uh, Mr. Speaker, thank you very much. Great to have you with us today. Hey, Martha, great to be with you. So tell me, I want to start with the spending issue that you're dealing with, because I know you have a lot of uh, very agitated members on the right-hand side of your party and that you just had a meeting with some of them. Congressman Roy, who was here with us yesterday, I know he's a good friend of yours, but he doesn't like this deal. And also Norman and others. Uh, What can you tell us about what you discussed in there and whether or not this is going to survive after this rule was uh, voted down today? Yeah, it's going to survive. Look, uh, what I've told uh, Ralph, Norman, and Chip Roy, who are my close friends, I'm also a conservative hardliner. That's been my entire career in Congress and all of my years as a legislator, cutting spending. This is a big priority for us, the Republican Party. What we negotiated in this top-line agreement for the appropriations going forward is an innovation. We're we're trying to get back to 12 appropriations bills instead of ruling uh, and governing by omnibus spending bills. We've done that. We achieved that at the end of last year, and now we have to get into the individual spending bills. So what we did was we negotiated a cut from some of the side deals that were that were uh, previously determined. So we, we're adding another $16 billion in cuts. We're taking $10 billion out of the IRS slush fund, another 6.1 out of the COVID slush funds. These are big priorities for the Democrats. We've added that in. So we've improved it. And what we've, we're doing now, Martha, is putting ourselves in a position to go argue for our priorities, our riders on the spending bills. That's an important thing. You know, Chips uh, and, and, and Ralph and others are frustrated it doesn't go far enough. I'm frustrated too. But remember, we have a two-vote margin and only one chamber, what, you know, only in the House is where we have the majority. And so we have to work with the numbers we have and get the best we can. And I'm telling these guys, and, I, and I'll tell the American people, we're going to work every single day to get the best possible outcome. All right, Sandy Rios with you this morning. And one of the 
congressman I enjoy interviewing the most is Congressman Scott Perry. And as I was reading uh, your bio this morning, Lieutenant General, Adjutant General, that is the rank that you uh, achieved uh, in the, as a pilot uh, and served, I think, 30, 40 combat missions in Iraq. I think this is important, so I want people to know this about you before we talk about substance here. Uh, so good morning, and it's, it's, I love reading your bio because it sounds to me like you really worked your way to the things you've achieved. Well, that's kind of the American way. Um, you know, you kind of start, you, 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 most of us start at the bottom because we don't have any skills. We don't, you know, we don't have any any way to get immediately to the top and uh, and probably don't really deserve to be there. I mean, life is about a series of experiences that inform your judgment, and that's how your judgment becomes good because in those experiences you probably make a few mistakes. So I, yeah. in my military career, I started out as a private so that's on the enlisted side. Uh, I decided to go to officer candidate school and started at the bottom rank again as a second lieutenant, and uh, and then worked my way up through the officer ranks and and finished my you know I had a thirty five plus year military career and uh, you know I retired as a brigadier general. So um, you know it was a it was a wonderful experience for me. Uh, you know, oftentimes the things we do in our life define us, but I'd like to think that I helped define the military as well. And uh, sadly, I must report, though, that while I do love my time in the military, and it was not all perfect and it wasn't all sunshine, uh, I decided to leave the military because I felt like the military uh, under the current paradigm no longer represented my values in a long way, and in, in a large way. And and, and the biggest value is that it, the military, as I knew it, was a meritocracy. It didn't matter if you started out as a private from, you know, a broken home in a backward area of the country or something. You could you could do well. And it looked to me like we were changing, you know, how that, uh, that, that whole dynamic. And we were making choices based on other things. And I just... That was not something I was willing to support any longer, and I didn't want to. I didn't want it representing me either. So, no. you know, no. um, as we a say little. in the army, can't take orders anymore. It's time to go, and because that's how that worked. <laughs> you got to take orders. Well, little did you know how bad it was going to become, and we could do a whole show on that, which I would like to do sometime. Uh, but I want to ask you: you know, the last time we spoke, and it's been a long time. Uh, people will remember you were the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Now, that just changed. Bob Good was just elected. You guys uh, hand off batons often, or at least right. yearly. I'm not sure how often. But, uh, so, two years. Two years. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, but I want to go I want to go back to something else first, and that is that your phone was seized by the FBI, uh, what, a couple of years ago, perhaps? You were at dinner yeah, with yeah. your family. Yeah. Yeah, so, but what yeah. I want to know is what happened from that? They took all your stuff. They had all the information about the Freedom Caucus. What do you know about what damage or harm that might have done? Well, I don't know the full extent of any of that at this point. Uh, the um, you know, I wasn't the target of an, any any investigation. I'm still not. I wasn't accused of anything. But they took my phone and then they they summarily said we want to look at everything on the phone and we fought them in court now for the entire period of time um 
And uh, we actually, so we lost at the at the Washington D.C. court. You can imagine the same judge that handled the vast majority of the J. Six cases was the same judge in my case, and she said that we had to turn over all the information on the phone to the Department of Justice. Now, most people don't know this, but members of Congress are protected constitutionally by a thing called the Speech and Debate Clause, which the Founding Fathers put in. Article 1 of the Constitution that says that uh, the things that uh, we talk about with our constituents and our colleagues and our votes are shielded from view from the executive branch because they the founders didn't want the executive branch to be able to coerce votes out of the legislature for things that the executive branch wanted or didn't want. So members of Congress, and myself included, always thought we were protected by that thing called the Speech and Debate Clause. Well, the judge said that that speech and debate clause does not exist for all intents and purposes and said, turn over the information. We appealed that decision. Uh, the, the, uh, the higher level court agreed with us and said, no, speech and debate does exist and you can't have the information. Um, and sent it back to the lower court. In the meantime, the lower court changed judges and the new judge said, I agree with the previous judge, and we think you ought to turn over all the information except for a couple of small things. Mm-hmm. And so we knew we were just going to lose the appeal. So, um, And we also knew this, Sandy, that uh, all the information on my phone, likely the the people that are pursuing the president and the people around the president, they likely have all that information anyhow from their phones that they've seized. Um, and, and, you know, and, uh, and so, so the court now, or not the court, the, uh, uh, the Department of Justice now has that information, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, well, does, is, is, that, that, is that related to the people in Pennsylvania talking about getting you off the ballot because you're supposedly an insurrectionist? Well, I imagine in their mind it does. Again, I'm not the target of any any investigation. So says the Department of Justice, and I haven't been accused of anything. But uh, because I objected to the electors, and as you know, Sandy, for the last couple decades, any time a Republican won for won the presidency, the Democrats in the House objected to those electors. But I objected to the electors in Pennsylvania because I thought there should be an investigation into what happened, uh, you know, particularly that there were two standards of voting in Pennsylvania. Some people voted before Election Day. Some people got to vote after Election Day. Some people uh, had to sign their ballots and, and prove who they were. Other people didn't have to do that. And, and those, were the, those were the assertions I made on the House floor when I objected to the electors and said, that there should be an investigation to clear all that in, that up before we just assume that this th- these are valid, but but even though that's never been refuted and none of the none of the assertions that I made have ever been refuted by anyone because they can't they, they those are things that that happened and they're well documented and they're out in the public view. Um, my detractors decide that uh, that you know they hate me and they're going to use every means possible, including the unprecedented uh, uh, opportunity to to literally take people off the ballot. Sandy, we haven't even we haven't be, even begun the process of being put on the ballot in Pennsylvania, and they want to restrict 
the the voters of the district that I currently represent and say that you don't even have the option to vote for your representative. That's they they should be quite honestly embarrassed by this. The Democrats have resorted to this because they don't have any new ideas and they can't win elections based on the merits of their arguments. And so they're using the weaponized Department of Justice and the courts to uh, to try and achieve the outcome that they can't receive in electoral politics. And there's nothing, nothing that will stop them. I just want to make the point. Here you are, a congressman in good standing, uh, serving with the privileges that come along with that. But they don't recognize those. They take your phone, the FBI. You know, there's just no reason you're not under uh, suspicion of anything. It's just completely, it's abuse of power from my perspective. But uh, let's, uh, so thank you for hanging in there. The thing that I love about you is you just never back down, Congressman. And so uh, I'll always be your fan. And so I want to talk, though, about what's happening, of course, in Congress right now. And we have a a challenge because you know it's so complicated and people cannot follow all the machinations and the titles and whatever you guys use, uh, you know, the rules and uh, the spending bills. But there's controversy right now over an agreement Speaker Johnson made with Chuck Schumer. Can you help us understand why the Freedom Caucus and other conservatives are not happy with this? Well, because it's a terrible agreement. Um, as you know, as part of, and I'll just try and put some context to this, as part of the agreement that, that allowed Kevin Car- McCarthy to become Speaker, many of us in Congress, not just Freedom Caucus members, demanded that we change the spending trajectory of of this federal government. And, you know, we just went over $34 trillion in debt. We'll be at $35 trillion by May of this year, and we're going to spend a trillion this fiscal year on interest alone. And it's breaking our American consumers. It's breaking our families that can't afford the goods and services that they that they use in their daily lives. And so we demanded that, and we got an agreement with him to bend the, the trajectory down such that we would spend less this year than we did last year. Unfortunately, and things were working along fine with that, and things were working well until about May. If you remember, there was a debt ceiling impasse with the White House and the Democrats in the Senate. Uh, McCarthy agreed at that time, and we did not agree, to actually spend more. And (laughs) two-thirds of the House voted for that. The vast majority of the Senate voted for that. And so that was supposed to be the the number that we then spent over the last fiscal year. But that has all to be worked out in what we call the spending bills or the appropriations bills. And over the past year, this is 2023, we worked on them in the House, and we passed, I think, seven or eight of them. There are 12. But the Senate didn't pass any. And 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 so in that context, coming into Christmas – when McCarthy was vacated because he was vacated because it was perceived and it was probably actually true that was there was no actual appetite to actually cut any spending and we were going to end up with the pre-Christmas omnibus that we have ended up with for the past 10 years. An omnibus is when you don't pass your individual spending bill so the American people can see how much is being spent and who voted for that. They do a bill. It's omnibus. It's the bus is moving and everything's in it. All the spending and they throw yeah. all kinds of horrible things in there. Mm. And members are compelled to vote for it because if you don't vote for it, 
then you're accused of shutting down the government. And that's the that's the the, the coercion that Washington, D.C. uses. And so McCarthy was vacated. And so we were supposed to uh, go back to working on appropriations bills and and doing what I said, pass all 12. Let's see how everybody votes and let's show the American people how we're spending their tax dollars vote, vote by vote, bill by bill. And, of course, Senator or uh, uh, Mike Johnson became the speaker, but he inherited what McCarthy left. Now, in that intervening period of time, we passed a couple continuing resolutions. I did not. I did not uh, support them because it's just kicking the can down the road. And essentially it was we can't have this fight before Christmas because we will lose a shutdown fight before Christmas. We need to move it beyond Christmas into January and February and then have the fight. So during that interceding period of time, we were supposed to be working on these bills. But yet again, the Senate didn't work on any because guess what, Sandy? The Senate doesn't want to work on any. Chuck Schumer's not interested in any of that. He wants an omnibus, whether it happens before Christmas or after Christmas, he wants to throw everything in there, spend all your tax money, spend even more than that, and not have you know what's in there and force everybody to vote for a terrible deal. So so since they weren't working on anything, Speaker Johnson's negotiating, of course, from a position of weakness, because this is a deal that McCarthy had made prior to this. And uh, in the last week or so on Twitter, we see this announcement that you know there's an agreement to spend this much money. Well, hold on a second, Sandy. I'm a representative, too. I didn't agree to that, and I'm not voting for that. And as usual, what they announced was, and it's hard to kind of encapsulate numbers over, you know, over the voice, so to speak, and not on paper, but he said we're going to spend $1.59 trillion in this deal. Well, of course, some details started emerging, and we found out there's what's called a sidecar. Or it's a deal that's not on the books. It's not part of the legislation, but it's part of the agreement to spend an additional $69 billion. And by the way, Sandy, of course, in this whole process, we found out that there was a side deal back in May, too, that we didn't know about under McCarthy to spend a bunch of more money, which is what the Senate was trying to hang on to and forcing Mike Johnson to agree to over Christmas. We said, well, we're definitely not for that. But, you know, we're bankrupting the country and we're bankrupting our constituents. And plus, we got no policy wins. So the same things that we voted against two Decembers ago now, again, you know, with Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, that was that huge spending bill that passed in the middle of the night with 17 Republican senators or whatever the heck it was. This is that bill with more added on to it. Well, we're never going to be like, and and if we are going to be for that, tell me what changes on the border. Tell me what changes at the Department of Justice. Tell me what changes in foreign policy that's weakening weakening this country. Tell me what changes to help American consumers afford gasoline and groceries and lumber and and everything in between. Nothing changed, right? So, so we went to the speaker and said, well, we're not going to be for this. And he said, well, we're going to we have to do it anyhow, and we'll. You know, this is the only thing we can get the votes for. Well, we just reject that idea. And so basically what we did yesterday was we shut down the floor. We have the ability to stop operations on the floor if some of us band together and say we're just not voting for, even though these might be things that we want to see passed procedurally, we're not going to vote. You can't can't just disregard our vote on the huge thing 
and then expect our votes on the little things that are going to be of no consequence. We're going to pass some messaging bills, what we say are messaging bills that are never going to be signed into law, but people are going to go home and say, see here, we voted for these great things. Please elect me as your representative. Meanwhile, they, they voted in favor of the destruction of the country. No, we are not going to countenance that any longer. We are not going to be good soldiers that just accept that and uh, and vote no on the huge thing, and you pass it anyhow, and we go home mad. I told new Speaker Johnson in December, we are not just going to go vote no and go home mad after after we get rolled here. We are not going to do that. We're going to use every tool in our in the toolbox to stop bad things from happening. So where we are now, Sandy, is is that we've we've got a commitment from the speaker that we're going to go back and have a negotiation with our conference with only Republicans and see what we can pass without Democrats. Because as soon as you start asking Democrats for votes, of course, the price tag just goes through the roof and we can't have it. Now, it's not going to be easy and maybe we won't win. But if the American people want us to fight before we That's just true. completely surrender up front, which is what yes. we've done. Yep. Now, so does that mean the agreement he made with Schumer is not binding yet? I mean, made an agreement, but do you guys have to vote well, on that? Is... Andy, I didn't, and I get a vote. Okay, okay. And I so say you... no to that agreement. So, all right. you know, the, the point is is that we all get a vote. That's, that's the point is we all get a vote. We don't take orders from the Speaker. He runs the place, but we take orders from our constituents and the Constitution and the good Lord above. That's where my orders come from, and my constituents don't want us bankrupting the country and don't want us bankrupting them for stupid policies like a wide-open border that that this bill would literally spend more money on to keep the border wide open and to process more people to come to our country and take over our schools in the middle of the night and send our kids home for for you know online learning while illegals are living in our schools they're sick of that and we're and we're determined to stop that i'm going to ask you one last question cuz i know you have to go what is is this just a case from your perspective of a person like Congressman Johnson and so our Speaker Johnson and so many others, the people that stand with him on this, not understanding the dangers, the actual dangers we face, that there may not be a Congress after next year, that, you know, that the, the, the country is in crisis. Do you think they don't understand that? No, I, I think they do, or at least the vast majority. Maybe there are some that don't get the urgency of the circumstances. There might be some, but I, I do. I, I believe the Speaker's a good, God-fearing man, and, and I believe he does want to do the right thing. But understand, Sandy, um, the, the stakes are very high here, and and there are some on our team, on the Speaker's team, that will cut and run and make a deal with the Democrats and 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 sell us all out. That's just the reality of the situation. As you know, you've seen it. It's you've seen it happen in the past, and I think the speaker's looking at that. And he, you know, we got a two two vote majority right now, so it's very slim. Any one of those two people can sell us out. Who, who knows who they might be and go with the Democrats and and not vote with us. And I think he's mindful of that. And of course, Chuck Schumer. And I'm going to say this: Mitch McConnell knows that knows that as well. And Mitch McConnell's one of the guys that's willing to just spend us into bankruptcy. He's always been willing to do that. And so it's you know it's everybody in the in the room. It's you know when when Johnson, when the speaker's dealing with this, he's dealing with Hakeem Jeffries, a Democrat. He's dealing with Chuck Schumer, a Democrat. 
He's dealing with Mitch McConnell, who's sympathetic to spending more money. And so he's one against three. And the only thing that he has backing up him up is all of us. And if we're unwilling to do it, he can't do it. So we need we need to get our house in order first. But as the leader, he needs to go to this conference, this Republican conference, and say, look, we have we have a decision between two not so great positions, but one is much worse than the other. And it might mean that the government shuts down for a couple of days because the Senate might reject it. But 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 even at that, we have to say, well, we'll take the less of the bad two uh, things and go fight for that because it's least at least it's better than a total capitulation, which is what we have right now. Yeah. Well, there's so much more to say, but Congressman, I know you need to go, and I promised your staff I wouldn't keep you. Congressman Scott Perry, he is a, a, a he's a general now, uh, and he's valiant in his fight to save this country from Pennsylvania. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Congressman Perry, for joining us this morning. We'll be following this, and this helps because you know you guys are going to get blasted. It's probably already happening this oh, yeah. morning, and We're so this yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, people need to know what the truth is. So thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Take care. Thank you. Same to you, Congressman. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, Sandy Rios back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. You know, Preborn has saved, with your help, over 58,000 babies just this year. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. And when a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy, and make your most generous donation. I should have set up that soundbite from Congressman Roy by saying that the question was, would he rule out a motion to vacate you as speaker? And his answer was, I'm not ruling anything out. And we've heard from other members who said, you know, that that they think it was the worst vote they ever took. So I'm sure you have a little, uh, you know, sort of sympathy for Kevin McCarthy's position right now um, because he was in a similar spot. But do you think that's real? Do you think there's going to be any effort to vacate you? No, listen, there's a lot of emotion here right now because there's a lot of important emotional issues on the table for the country. But what we have to do is be the adults in the room and govern. And I I think the vast majority of the Republican conference is there. And I think Chip is there as well. Again, he and I don't disagree on principles. He's a good friend. I don't think I'm in any jeopardy of being vacated. It's not something I walk around and think about. What I'm thinking about is governing and trying to do well by the people. And and we're going to do that. We're going to demonstrate that we can govern well. I think we're going to be in a very different situation a year from now. Next January, I think we will grow and expand this majority in the House. I think we'll have the Republican majority back in the Senate. And I'm convinced we're going to win the White House as well. And so it'll be a much easier ride then. We've got to get through this valley. That was Martha McCallum again and Speaker Johnson referring to Chip Roy, the clip we played earlier in the show. And, of course, it's very tense, but I think the difference is what uh, um, Congressman Perry just said in our conversation was that Mike Johnson at least did not lie to them. And that's why they they know he has the right principles, Uh, but someone has to be the hammer. You know, if you just kind of compromise all the time, the bar continues to move. 
And so for those of us that, and I feel I put myself in this category, our job is to speak the truth and hold the line. We will never hold any line if we don't hold the line. And I think that's what conservatives in Congress are trying to do because also they understand the urgency chip is all over what's happening at the border and so are the rest of them and the spending and all of the, the dangers that we face. Well, I've asked Bruce to join me to kind of just uh, give, give us his thoughts. Bruce is a former FBI agent a former prosecutor in Cook County, uh, Chicago. Honey, what did you think about that conversation? I feel very sad in a way for Speaker Johnson and also the members of the House because the way I look at their position, it's like being in a marriage where you have an irresponsible partner. Um, They are not only, the people in the House, in the House Freedom Caucus, are not only trying to deal with the House people, but they have an irresponsible partner in the Senate. Yes. And they know that anything they send the Senate that isn't just chock full of wasted spending, it will not be passed in the Senate, and they will have wasted their time. It's like having, you know, you're in a marriage, and you go to the grocery store, and you're looking at the price of meat, and you say, you know, I better buy the hamburger because the steak is just a little too expensive. And you get home and your partner says, oh, by the way, I went out and bought a new car today. And you, <laughs> how do you reconcile that? Yes. No, that's, that's well said, honey. Uh, but I think, uh, I think it does have to be said. And I, I have drilled down on this, but I'll say again, the Senate is completely derelict in their duty. Between Chuck Schumer and uh, um, Mitch McConnell, they meet. They actually are in session just a few days a year, they are doing nothing except standing up before the camera and complaining. And certainly Mitch McConnell is complaining uh, that he wants the uh, Congress to get their act together. John Thune saying they need to get their business done. I thought how ironic when you guys are on vacation constantly. You have to understand we have a feckless, worthless Senate. You know, you, you think about the Senate. That is, You talk about the good old boys club. It is the ultimate good old boys club. If you notice... Once somebody gets there, boy, they 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 never leave until until they have to be wheeled onto yeah. the floor looking gray and dead. And, and like I think that might be uh, at Diane the risk of Feinstein. sounding simplistic. That might be one of the big problems with the Senate is you have eighty year olds um, that are very prevalent in that body, and they are not going to live to see the results the of their policies. The disaster that they've created. That's right. When you're not a, you know, when you, basically they do not have skin in this game. They are padding their uh, pockets. They will not have to deal with the results of their policies. And, uh, you know, it, it's simplistic, but I think that we need a new face in Congress and, in new, and a new face in the Senate, younger faces, not these people that have sit th- that sit there for thirty years and never work another job in their life. We were just talking about the other day how people in D.C. really do live in a bubble. They do not understand what is going on at home, and it's you know the amount of money in D.C. is endless, and the things they want get funded. The amount of money that you have as a citizen is not endless. But it's your money they're spending. That's right, yeah. and, and that's yeah. the irony. Uh, well, you know we're in trouble when John Fetterman makes more sense than <laughs> Chuck Schumer. Uh, so it really, you yes. know, but it isn't really the eight. We need patriotic men who are not uh, octogenarians, that's for sure, and women. All right, well, honey, thank you for your, that's good, great comments.
All right, well, I hope it wasn't too confusing. It is important. It is our lives, you know. It does matter what they do in Washington. Uh, if you have a question or a comment, call us at 662-821-2040 or write us at sandy at net. Go to any social media platform. You can find the show. Go to sandyrios.com. Go to any podcast platform. net is number one because they're our home base, Spotify, Amazon, whatever you like to listen to. And I want to thank all of you who have been donating so generously to Preborn. And if you want to continue that, providing ultrasounds and saving babies' lives, and I think you do, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And meanwhile, thank you so much for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.